You are now listening to the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. Here is your host, Blaine Spencer. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. You know who I am. I am your host, Blaine Spencer. We are moving through our divisional breakdowns. If you guys haven't yet, please go watch or listen to the NFC North that took place a couple weeks ago, as well as the NFC South. This week, we are talking the NFC West, and who wouldn't be the best guest to have on than my man Steezy A. Smith, who is pretty much everything Seattle Seahawks. He's been at training camp the last couple days. Steezy, how are you? Appreciate you coming on. Hey, bro, I'm feeling great, feeling wonderful, feeling blessed, and uh, it's been a while since we've done this, so thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So remember, everyone, how we go through these divisional breakdowns, we go from last year's records and then we go from top to bottom. So we'll go we'll start off with the defending reigning Super Bowl champs, which is the Los Angeles Rams. As we remember, finished as the four seed and ended up getting their very own rival, Arizona Cardinals. And the rest was history, knocking out Tampa Bay as well as so many top squads, even in the division. They beat the division twice this, this last postseason, taking out Arizona and San Francisco before winning in SoFi as the host. Steezy, what are the expectations for the Rams? It's got to be pretty much run it back, right? That's the, one of the two, I think personally, it's one of the top two teams in the NFC. What are your thoughts? Not just in the NFC, but in the entire NFL. I mean, Blaine, I'm I'm with you all the way. I, I think with the LA Rams, I know they lost to Von Miller, but you bring in my guy, Bobby Wagner. You bring in Allen Robinson, who they deem as an upgrade over a Robert Woods. I um, mean, you draft a Kyron Williams. I think he's a sleeper. Not a lot of people know about him, um, but I think he'll be a great pass catching back for this football team. I know there are the concerns of Matthew Stafford and his throwing arm. Uh, I spoke with the Rams reporter the other day and he told me that this could linger into the regular season. And so obviously I, I, I'm not rooting for this team to have injuries, but as a Seahawk guy, it's like, okay, if the Rams are going to have a couple of you know things to worry about on that end, then I'm not going to be mad about it. Right. But uh, all jokes aside, I think with the Rams, you're right, bro. I mean, it has to be, run it back Super Bowl or bust. I get that they're not going to have home field advantage in the Super Bowl again, but they probably won't need it. Barring health, uh, this team should be one of the top two, top, th- top three teams, not just in the NFC, but the entire NFL. They have the talent, they have the fire. I mean, Coach Sean McVay is talking about how, you know, they're hungry for another one. They could potentially still bring back an OBJ. So there's still a couple of moves to be made. Um, but I'm real excited, not just for the Rams, but and I, I know that's weird coming out of a Seahawks guy. Um, but I, I'm just excited to, to watch because uh, come week one, I think they're actually one of the opening matchups. It's the Rams and the Bills, and I, I think that's a potential right. Super Bowl preview. Um, but I think, yeah, the Rams, they have all this firepower. They have all this talent. I mean, everybody knows the deal. Uh, if they're not in contention for another Super Bowl, then I'd consider it a bust of a season. I completely agree. And you're right. Opening night is Buffalo versus Rams. Many could argue that is a potential Super Bowl preview down the road already in week one. It'll be a very interesting test. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about the Los Angeles Rams is that I think you'll agree with me on this, is that they're that handful of teams that are the most complete. Probably right. those th- four or five teams that you're like, if they're not minimum in the champ NFC or AFC championship or let alone the Super Bowl, it is mm-hmm. a failed year. You can make the argument for the Rams. I would put Tampa Bay in that conversation. Mm-hmm. You put Buffalo in that conversation. 
And then you can either put maybe even on the other side, it's the Chargers or the Chiefs or even the Cincinnati Bengals, who was the AFC representative in the mm-hmm. AF for the Super Bowl. So everything has fallen into place, right? We all thought that Aaron Donald, there was that lingering potential of him retiring, which would have, he, he covers up a lot of gaps oh, in a yeah. team when, it, when he's arguably the best defensive player in football. And many would even question that he's like outside the top two. I would say he's top two minimum mm-hmm. on the defensive, just in all of football. And then you have, again, like you said, Odell Beckham, is he going to come back? It sounds like that they're going to probably try and work something out and not try because of the injury. They don't know what they're going to get. And I, I, I love the news about the, what you're reporting on the Rams with Matt Stafford. Yeah. Because I don't think many people realize that tendonitis in your, in your arm for a football player is extremely rare. This Mm. is a very more, as I've done research on it, it's more of a baseball like injury that requires that so coveted Tommy John surgery, which scares a lot of people, especially in the Rams. I don't think they're very concerned at the moment because he's been pretty much injured his entire career. And he's one of the iron man of football during his career. He's rarely out. He's always playing hurt, but don't be surprised if they really ease him in and try and if they have to give him a game or two off, especially if it's acting up, working through this schedule, like, for example, like, just looking ahead of me, like, if everything doesn't go well and that week wouldn't match up against the Bills, you give him that extra week off because you have Atlanta in week two if you have to. There's mm-hmm. games in the, their schedule where you can be like, you can mitigate the issues. Like, week six, Carolina, then they're on the bye after that. Maybe give, right. if, if, again, still has some pain, you give him that week six game off, then you have the bye that gives him an extra couple weeks. I think there's opportunity for the Rams to really kind of slowly incorporate, especially depending on the reaction of Stafford's injury. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I mean, like we talked about, it's a Super Bowl or bust type of season. And so, like, as we saw last year, they were, like you mentioned, the number four seed. And so it's not necessarily like they need, you know, to win as many games as possible. Oh, they need home field advantage. Oh, they need the number one seed. No. And so if they want to go the route that you laid out, then they could go that route. They could afford, they had the luxury to take that route. I mean, they have a, a solid, a qualified backup, I believe, in a John Wolford. Um, and the offensive line is a, a potential concern of mine. I forgot to bring that up earlier, but outside of that, I mean, this team absolutely has it all. And, and so if they need to survive parts of the season without their starting star quarterback, then so be it. Right. And I mean, other than me, other than like Tom Brady and the Patriots, this could be the one of the few teams that have tried to go back to back, which is something that's completely unique. I think the expectations for them may be a little overwhelming now because or actually, honestly, and that's incorrect. I think they're playing with house money now because last mm. year was the heart was the year. It's at home, the Super Bowl, you're hosting. Tampa mm-hmm. Bay just did it the year before winning as they were the hosts. I think this year they're kind of just playing with, again, like how I said, playing with house money. They're trying to see what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Again, they did lose Robert Woods to the trade into the Tennessee Titans. But again, like you mentioned, Allen Robinson may be a little bit more of an upgrade. I don't know how mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate him because how they utilize Robert Woods in the offense will be completely different how they're going to utilize Allen Robinson, which will be something that will be unique to see. 
But again, yeah. Sean McVay is one of the brightest minds in football. Everyone was questioning, what, could he get the monkey off his back? He answered those questions with flying colors. It'll be really in- intriguing to see how the Rams are going to move forward. I think they're easily going to be a double-digit team, win team, and ha- be arguably the one or the two seed in the NFC. No doubt. And I just wanted to add, and this is their words, like I mentioned, they deemed Allen Robinson as an upgrade. And right. I think they're very different players. You know, I think Robert Woods is a more dominant Absolutely. run blocker, a more willing run blocker. He's more physical in that regard. But I think with an Allen Robinson, I mean, he's just like that big body, right? Where you throw the ball up, more of a 50-50 possession type of receiver. Definitely going to do more damage in the end zone. I don't think we're going to see Allen Robinson on those jet sweeps. We're not going to see him in motion like we do see a Robert Woods from time to time. But like I said, they bring different skill sets to the table. And I think it's uh, this is going to be a place where he's going to be able to revitalize his career. I mean, what we saw last season in Chicago, that wasn't his best. You know, with an Allen Robinson, some might be questioning whether or not he's fallen, you know, off a cliff. But I think in this offense, in this situation with the best quarterback he's ever had and in his career, he's definitely a guy I want in fantasy. Absolutely. You can make the argument that it's not Allen Robinson's fault. It's how bad the Chicago Bears have really utilized him in the exactly. offense. And especially with a rookie quarterback in fields and then, I don't think Robinson ever saw eye to eye with Nagy in these last couple of seasons with how they were utilizing him. So I think this is a huge opportunity for him mm-hmm. as well, especially with Odell probably not going to play for those first couple of weeks with the injury potentially. So I think that'd be something unique if they bring Odell back. Right. And on that note, real quick, I just wanted to add, because we didn't talk about him, but Van Jefferson. And when I spoke right. with, um, what's his name? Gilbert Manzano, the Rams reporter for a whole bunch of different newspapers in L.A. Uh, he talked about how Van Jefferson might not be ready for week one. And I brought up the possibility of the Rams signing an OBJ or bringing him back. But it's like OBJ is not going to be there come week one. Right. And, and so I don't know if he's if he's necessarily that replacement for Van Jefferson, but it is looking thin right now. Uh, I think they believe in, in the guys that they have. They drafted Tutu Alwell in the second round, but I, I think that's definitely a situation to monitor come the preseason because if there's a veteran receiver out there, T.Y. Hilton's still a free agent. Maybe they bring him on board. I don't know. Who knows? They have a, a solid tight end core as well. So definitely interesting to see what happens in that wide receiver room. Without question. And I do want to mention Tutu Atwell will be the guy probably using in the Robert Woods park position for the offense. Right. Right. How he was utilized in college at Louisville was very similar to how he, he could fit right into what the Rams are doing now. Very versatile. Absolutely. Let's jump now to the team that many people sometimes question where they're, where everything goes. So it seems like what can go wrong does go wrong, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. They finished second. They were arguably the best team in football for you get the first half of the year. Then, mm-hmm. and again, in previous seasons, they get figured out and they fall off a cliff. That is accurate that they fall off the cliff. The results speak for themselves. Ended up losing in that uh, wild card round to the Rams, and they got absolutely punished for it. It wasn't even a competitive game. The one thing that has been intriguing has been the whole Kyler Murray fiasco with his contract. That has been up in recent news. He deletes his social media. Cardinals kind of goes in. There was huge back and forth whether or not he was going to get the contract extension. Then they add a four-hour minimum of studying into his contract, and that has blown up into his face since signing it. The agent shouldn't be his agent anymore if this was going to be a major issue. 
the Cardinals have now taken that part out of his contract. But now there are significant question marks because he has adamantly said that he doesn't really go into studying film. What do we expect from the Arizona Cardinals? This organization is absolute disarray. Cliff Kingsbury didn't even deserve the job in the first place. But that's a, a discussion for another day. Talk to me. What are the Cardinals going to look like? Man, it's tough, bro. I look at this team defensively, and they lost to Chandler Jones. You know, and I know J.J. Watt's still there. I know he's healthy, but he's only getting older. You know, and outside of J.J. Watt, I, I like their linebacking core, but defensively or in the backfield, excuse me, in the back, in the back end, in the secondary, they have a Buda Baker to hold things down. But I'm kind of worried about their corner situation. As we all know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be serving a 16 suspension. Uh, we heard about a Marquise Hollywood Brown. I don't know if this is significant or serious, but I think he got charged. Was it charged? He wasn't arrested, but he got charged with some sort of speeding uh so, yeah, something along the lines of speeding. I, I don't know what happened there, but there's that to worry about. Um, and, and so I don't really know where to go with this team. So defensively, I think they're going to take a step back. Offensively, they are going to be missing their best player. And so I think this really he comes down to for criminal speeding. OK, so he was arrested. Right. OK. And so we don't know if he's going to be facing any sort of discipline from the NFL. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like you talked about, bro, this team just seems to collapse every single year in the second half of seasons. And actually, I have a stat here, but Kingsbury is actually 17 and 44 in the closing halves of every season he's ever coached. So that includes six seasons at Texas Tech and three with the Cardinals. And like you alluded to, this team was arguably the best team of football last season after what? Was it 10 weeks or was it seven weeks? There were seven and oh until that Thursday were, night football game. I think they went through 10 weeks. I think they were like eight or nine and one. They oh, okay, gotcha. Green Bay through like week 10. Right. And they didn't have Green Bay didn't have any of their starting receivers. Richard they didn't have Ryan any of their linemen. Green Bay ahead of them and kind of was like, that was their true test. And they faltered and under the pressure. Exactly. Um, but I, yeah, I think with the Cardinals, a lot's going to a lot's going to hinge on Kyler Murray's shoulders um, just because he's going to have to carry a huge load with some of these guys that are going to be out. He's going to have to make up for a defense that I think is going to take a step back. And that has a lot of question marks. Uh, we don't know about their center situation. Maybe there's, there's been more clarification, but the last time I checked, he was mulling retirement. And I'm talking about Rodney Hudson. Uh, I like James yeah. Conner at running back, but he just has not been able to stay healthy consistently. They lost Chase Edmonds, his top backup. I um, mean, so that they, they do have a Daryl Williams who is definitely more uh, more than capable at, you know, at running back in terms of backing him up. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't expect this team to make the playoffs, but I wouldn't expect this team to be one of the worst. I, I kind of just expect them to, to be more of a team that's middling. That's more in the middle tier of the NFC. Uh, but once D-Hawk comes back, I mean, who knows? Maybe he comes back revitalized and he re-energizes this team. But if Kyler Murray's a true top five, top 10 quarterback, then maybe he wills his team to the playoffs. But at this point, it's just really hard to, to really place any sort of expectations just because we're used to seeing this team fall flat in the second half. They're going to be missing guys in the first half. We'll see what happens. I'm not really expecting a lot. I'd say somewhere along the lines of eight wins, nine wins. That's probably the ceiling as it stands. Right. And I agree with you. I think this is going to be their true concern with D-Hop out. They're a team that doesn't really get figured out till about the second half of the season because Kingsbury throws in a couple different kinks in the offense right. with this air raid style. It's unique. Many teams really don't focus on it at the beginning of the year because it's only one game, which, and then they start picking off people and having scoring absurd numbers and putting up ridiculous offenses statistics. But when it comes to, defense they have all this versatility but they it almost feels like they keep just doing it at the same position right 
Mm-hmm. If Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, they're almost the exact same type of player, which kind of limits how they're going to utilize both of them at the same time, especially with how both of them line up at roughly the middle linebacker, outside linebacker position. The U- Buda Baker is an absolute stud in the back end. Byron Murphy has started to show some, be more consistent. I think you'll see something that is going to be with Trey McBride as a tight end, try and give them some a double tight end set more often with Zach Ertz because Zach Ertz is more of a, he's basically right now a wide receiver playing tight at the tight end position at this point in his career. Yeah. And he he was putting in some work for this team once he got traded. So absolutely. And then remember Rondale Moore, it's very elusive wide receiver. They still have plenty of weapons without AJ Green resigned. Right. And we got to remember Christian Kirk's gone. That's Mm -hmm. another key loss. Kirk got paid. You got to try and really maximize this team. And it really is just going to come down again to can they outscore people? That's how it was last year. Their defense show was very opportunistic last year, which was kind of how they limited teams. They were a bend but don't break type of defense, get the occasional turnover, hold teams to field goals instead of touchdowns. That was their bread and butter. But again, when it comes down to this, it comes, it's going to come down to Kyler Murray. You're absolutely right. He has to play absolutely out of his mind this year. And he, don't get me wrong, his first three years he's played outstanding, but you see that towards the end of the year that he's gets he's gotten beaten. He got beaten up last year, even the year before that, when they had an opportunity to get themselves into the playoffs. His body hasn't been holding up. And then you see as soon as something goes bad. It gets really bad for the Arizona Cardinals. It doesn't, it just, when it rains, it pours. It's not like how they are trying to figure out and make adjustments, which has been a huge hindrance of Cliff Kingsbury in his career, like you mentioned. Awful in second halves. And I just, yeah, go ahead, chime in. My bad, but I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to say, I feel like um, we're probably going to touch on this, but you know how they removed that addendum in Kyler Murray's contract. I just wanted to add my two cents. I feel like that was kind of an indictment on a Kyler Murray. I mean, I know he said it himself that he doesn't study film. He doesn't watch film. And he and, and the organization found it disrespectful that they even had to add a clause like that. And I guess, no, no, what was disrespectful was the backlash and whatnot. But for me, I mean, that's why I was talking about how it all hinges on, on the shoulders of a Kyler Murray, because that's one of the reasons why you talked about this, the lack of adjustments. It's not just on Cliff Kingsbury, but it's also on Kyler Murray. Like if right. maybe if he was watching more film, they wouldn't have had to include that clause in, in your contract just because we've never seen that before. It's unprecedented. And, and so that's definitely something I feel like he needs to work on just because he does have some flaws in his game. He's not a perfect quarterback and he's only getting better. He's gotten better every single year because let's not forget this team was once the worst team in football. But if he can clean up some of those mistakes, not just on the field, but off the field, that'll go a long way. Without question, so you actually just jumped right into it, so we might as well pick it up, pick it apart a little bit. I think when it comes to this, it really just what is the motivation for Kyler Murray? Is it just to get his bag? It almost que- becomes a question mark of his commitment to the game, right? Mm-hmm. If he's really not studying film, he's come out and publicly said that. If they need to just get the minimum out of him, but how much is four hours really gonna help, right? That's still like a very small margin. You may see a couple of different things that you can try and utilize during a game, but it's not enough that can really jump you from one different spectrum to the other. 
especially when defenses are putting in new wrinkles week in, week out. Right. So, and this is something that I found unique because everything, it always comes down to what the greatest of all time puts in, right? That's like the standard. That's how you become. I've heard this from a store, uh, from uh, Jeff Darlington, who works for ESPN, that Tom Brady puts in 50 hours of film. 50. And you're telling me that the greatest of all time puts in 50 hours, no questions asked. It's all a part of what he's doing for the commitment of his team. Mm. That's just a huge red flag. And that you can't even get Kyler to do four or even ten, a fifth of that. And you want his bag like this? Don't get, I, I want more than anyone for everyone to get their money, right? Rightfully so. Everyone deserves that their opportunity to make sure that they're financially stable for the rest of their lives. But there's that's a question mark. And I know we talked about this the other day when we were on Go Talks two year anniversary. If you haven't to go subscribe to Go Talk with Marcus, we talked about this a lot, and it created some riffraff between the panel. How can you justify it? It's just a domino effect from a bad organization having to put it in the just domino effect that the agent really didn't notify him and the domino effect that Kyler Murray signed it and the backlash was going to be inevitable because as soon as somebody leaked that information or saw his contract, it was going to blow up either way. And if you're a Cardinal fan, you should be alarmed. You really should be. And now it's going to create a, it's going to see, you're going to really see where his mind at is this year, especially with D Hop out these first six games. He's got to play absolutely lights out for them to just be competitive this year. So it's going to be intriguing. I don't know what your thoughts are on, on how this addendum thing is. I agree. It's an indictment on him, but it's also something that needs to be an indictment on the franchise that this is something that they had to incorporate. No doubt, bro. And I feel like because it's, receive so much publicity because it's kind of blown up. I think this is really, this needed to happen, honestly. Like we've talked about, we haven't talked about this, but, and you probably know this, but sometimes you gotta take a step backward to, to move forward. And I feel like this is kind of that step backward that Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are both taking. Like I said, this needed to happen because it did happen because it's received the backlash and the publicity and whatnot. I think we're going to see a different Kyler Murray. You know, I don't know about you, bro, but I've started a couple of dynasty uh, dynasty leagues, you know, a couple of startups in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I found myself, you know, really taking a liking to Kyler Murray. You know, I, I know contrary to everything that we've kind of been talking about, it seems like we're bashing on the Cardinals, but I'm actually going to be really high on, on Kyler Murray. I think he's going to have a career season. Right now, I don't have him as a top 10 quarterback. I don't know about you, but he to me, he's more of a top 11, top 12-ish. And I think he I has a- on the outside as well. Right. And I think, yeah, I think you're on the money um, with that. But I think after this season, he's going to be a bona fide, legitimate top 10 quarterback in football. And it's going to be really intriguing to see. We're going to really find out what they're made of <laughs> right away, right. right? They have Kansas City, they're at Vegas, and then they host the Rams. Oh, you're gonna in really the first six weeks? In the first three weeks? weeks? They can easily open up 0-3 without question. Damn. Then they have Damn. Carolina, Philly, and Seattle. So there's three games where they can kind of make that up when D-Hop comes back. Right. But there is is very legitimate they open up two and four or one and five with D-Hop out. Man, so you're going to learn a lot about the Arizona Cardinals this year, I believe. And I, I agree with you. I have them teetering around eight or nine wins. 
just in that conversation in those last couple of weeks, whether or not there'll be a potential wild card team at the end of the year. No doubt. And if they had D hop if they had him for the full season, bar an injury, of course, I probably would have this team hovering more around 10, 11 wins. I think he's that good. Right. He's still a top five receiver when he's on the field. Absolutely. And you can just see how much and how important he really is to this squad. Oh, no doubt, bro. Every every quarterback needs their number one wide receiver. I mean, we've seen it with Dak Prescott before the arrival of an Amari Cooper. He wasn't really doing a lot, at least statistically. Right. And even on the football field, like the eye test, he just was a worse quarterback without a bonafide number one. A lot of times these younger quarterbacks, they need that number one. So we're going to see, you know, how how far Kyler Murray has matured and we'll see what he does. He still, like you talked about, has an allotment of weapons. And so hopefully that's enough to hold it down uh, for the first six weeks of the season. Absolutely. Let's jump to the next team. They are the team that probably many argue if they catch a lob of an of a interception that should have been caught by uh, Tart from the San Francisco 49ers, they would probably be in the, would have been the team representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. That is the San Francisco 49ers. They were, again, just on the brink. Jimmy G figures out ways to help them win games. It is no longer Jimmy G's team, however. It will be the evolution that is Trey Lance. Really intriguing to see because he hasn't started many games. He didn't have much starting experience in college. Pretty much only had a year of handful of a year of starts. And then he had that one exhibition game that everyone thought was completely pointless that they had in the fall because the FCS moved their season to the spring and then or FBS Division Two, or excuse me, moving their season to the spring. They did re-sign Debo Samuel. He got his bag. That was something that was crucial, especially if they're going to have Trey Lance in there, especially with how Debo is Mr. Do-It-All in special teams, running game, catching. He's just an all-around player that is going to help them. Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, another solid trio of wide receivers that are showcased there showcase their stride, especially towards the end of last year with Garoppolo. The real issue is going to be what they're going to have on the defensive end and the secondary. That has been been their issue for a long time. But they did try to sign Traverius Ward. I don't think that's much of an upgrade, though, because of how sometimes he's the one that was getting picked on in Kansas City for numerous <laughs> times on end. What are we going to expect from San Francisco? It's going to be really intriguing, especially if Jimmy G doesn't get traded, how that dynamic works, because the team is completely rallies around Garoppolo. Right, and I think that's definitely, I think, an important aspect that people are missing out on. You know, a lot of people, they attack and they flame Jimmy G, and they talk about how he's, you know, the one that kind of holds his team back. And I definitely agree to a certain extent, especially as it pertains to being able to win a Super Bowl, which obviously is the ultimate goal. But in a lot of ways, I mean, like you talked about, this team gravitates towards Jimmy G. This team loves Jimmy G. The locker room loves Jimmy G. The coaching staff loves Jimmy G. He's well-respected. He's well-liked. Even if at times, you know, his game isn't nearly as liked, right? But I think with the Trey Lance, I mean, he's going to add – so much more explosion you know he's so much more dynamic than a jimmy g now as a passer i don't know what to expect like at all i know we just talked about you know young quarterbacks and how they need a bona fide number one he has that he actually has multiple number one options george kittle you know debo samuel brandon are has looked like a number one option in the past 
Um, even if that really only became because of opportunity and, and, you know, a whole bunch of injuries around him. So he has a lot to work with. He has a top two offensive line. He has the best offensive line in football in Trent Williams. He has a defense that while you talk about, you know, the weaknesses in the secondary, this is still arguably a top 10 defense in football. I mean, you have one of the best linebackers in football under Fred Warner. You still have, you know, that defensive line, Eric Armstead and those boys up there. And so I definitely expect this team in the playoffs, but Again, a lot like how I talked about how a lot hinges on the shoulders of a Kyler Murray. A lot's going to come down to the shoulders of a Trey Lance, literally his shoulders, like, and, and his throwing, you know, what he's going to be able to do in a passing game. He's going to add a, a different element. Uh, they're going to be a lot more dynamic. They're going to they're gonna be a lot more explosive. But if he's going to be turning the football over, if he's not going to be accurate, or if he's going to be a liability in the pass game, then this team ceiling isn't very high, you know. But like I said, they have everything literally around him. Uh, they have the coaching staff, they have the scheme, the style, they have everything around you. And, and so if he's not, and I wouldn't even blame him if he's not up to, to the job because it, this is his first full year starting, but a lot's going to come down to him and there's going to be a whole lot of pressure on him. So uh, we'll see what happens about whether or not he is able to elevate this team offensively. I still see this team competing for a spot in the playoffs. Without question. And this really does remind me of the whole Kaepernick, Alex Smith situation, right? Alex Smith had the keys for the car for a while. He got hurt. Kaepernick was finally given the keys, and he took the car and ran with it. A little bit different now with how Garoppolo was the one that's still putting them in winning situations, but it's still reminiscent of that, it feels like. You're trying to get oh, rid of the old the veteran who the team galvanizes towards mm -hmm. to go with a young, purebred who gives you a completely different dimension of skills. Mm -hmm. with his athleticism, like you said, his ability to run the ball and the ability of a strong arm that is lights out from what I've seen in his, especially in his combine videos as well as in, in his limited uh, playing time. Again, like you said, and their linebacking core is absolutely monstrous. Warner, Greenlaw, Al Shahir, they they arguably have the best linebacking core in football. You could easily make that argument with and it, there will be no debate about it. Right. Again, like you said, the issue will be the secondary if they can hold down the fort. If if they the front seven usually covers up and masks a lot of their secondary problems. And but the they do have a quite favorable schedule. If you ask me, they should easily be in the ten potentially eleven win range. If I'm being honest especially towards the end of the season where they get Seattle, the commanders, they have, they have lulls in their schedule where they could easily rally off three or four wins with, with Trey Lance at the helm. And it's going to be all about how capable he is as a passer. I think mm -hmm. that's what it's going to be. It's going to be somewhat reminiscent of what Shanahan was doing with, I think with how he was in Washington, right? He had young quarterbacks in RG3 and Kirk Cousins. You let the running backs and skill players get the ball. You let them settle into games. You roll them out. And that's what Shanahan does. He's one of the brightest offensive minds in football. Don't be surprised if he's, he's going to make sure that, the, he, that Lance is set up for success to ensure the capability of this team. But I do want to ask you this one question about San Fran. Mm -hmm. Would you, if you were the GM, are you putting Garoppolo back there or are you putting Trey Lance back there? Um, I think what they're doing right now is they're right. I'm, I'm sticking 
where I'm standing by my commitment to, to Trey Lance. You know, look, we love we love Jimmy G. Um, we know that we're capable of going to a Super Bowl with Jimmy G, but we don't know if we're capable of winning a Super Bowl. Or, I mean, we know that we're not capable of winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Um, and like I said, just like that added element, uh, being more explosive, being more dynamic. He might have his flaws as a passer, but he does have a bigger arm than Jimmy Garoppolo. So he could push the ball down the field a lot more, a lot further, you know, than a Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's another element that he brings to the table. Um, but yeah, no, just to answer your question, I think what the front office is doing is the right thing. You know, just because I, we want to see, we know that we have a team that's capable of advancing to the Super Bowl, but we want to see if what Trey Lance brings to the table, if that's enough to really push his team over the top. Um, and I know Jimmy Garoppolo, he hasn't been the perfect or he hasn't been the model of, of, of health. And so that's another thing that I think a lot of people don't consider. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think what they're doing is the right thing. I agree. I think the injury bug was the more important issue for me. And, and you do have Lance on a rookie deal and you got to maximize what you have when you have these opportunities with a young quarterback as well. Then I would, my caveat would be then to you, where should Garoppolo go? Where would you send him? I would send him to Cleveland. That's what I would do. See, I don't know. I mean, because when you signed Jacoby Brissett, you told him that he was going to be the starter. You know, and he's been taking right. all the he's been taking all the reps during training camp. He's the one who's been establishing that chemistry with Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones, David Bell, David Njoku, and those boys. And I think with training camp having already been, you know, in full swing these last couple of weeks, I I just don't know if that would send the right message. I think I think it's a great team or it's a great answer. I think the Cleveland Browns are definitely on its surface, but I think because of the commitment that they made to Jacoby Brissett, I think he'd have to be terrible in training right. camp for them to, to pivot towards a Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, right now, as things stand, I know he's not officially suspended, but if the NFL, if they were to lose that appeal, Deshaun would only really miss six games. Maybe they extend right. it to, what, seven games, maybe eight games, maybe at the very most nine, nine ten games. But you know that he's going to be back. If they're able to hold it down come playoff time, or at least he'll be able to take this team to the playoffs because we know he'll be there for the final stretch. And so with the Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I just don't know if he'd be fine with backing up with Deshaun Watson, you know, in, in the closing stretch of the year. It's really hard to pick a team, bro. Like, I don't want to say Seattle. I, I dropped the shorts before I went on vacation, a shorts episode, um, and I talked about how it just doesn't make sense. You know, I know he's capable of taking a team to the Super Bowl when all the pieces around him are right, but I think if Seattle were to trade for him, that's a win-now move. Seattle isn't in win-now position. And it's not even a guarantee that Jimmy Garoppolo would take this team to the playoffs. And so essentially, he'd be a one-year rental and you're giving up, what, a second-round pick? Because it's an intra-division trade, San Fran would definitely look to acquire more capital than they would, you know, expect in, in dealing with other teams. And so for Seattle, that doesn't make sense. Cleveland, I just laid out why I don't think that should happen. I think, honestly, bro, we're going to have to wait for an injury or two. You know, and I, I hate talking about or having to talk about, oh, we got to wait for injuries or whatnot. Right. Because obviously none of us want to see any, anybody get injured. But as we all know, at the same time, though, on the same token, it's a part of the game. Injuries are kind of inevitable. And so I think right now, San Fran, they do smart to kind of just hold off, just let them know, like, yo, there's not a lot of teams right now that are in need for a quarterback like you. So, you know, just wait it out, stick it out. Um, and hopefully by the end of the preseason, we'll have a situation, you know, figured out for you. But for the time being, you got to hold off until there's an injury because I don't see any teams out there really giving up, you know, capital to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. So you think he might be – do you think he's in San Francisco the whole year, though? 
You think no, not the whole year, not the whole year, yeah. because like I said, injuries are inevitable. And right. so I think they're just gonna have to let him know, like, yo, if you don't mind just sticking around until I guess a team, you know, has an, an injury at quarterback. Now it's not like that, obviously, but I, I think the verbatim of the language is, is somewhat similar. Um, but I think that's what it's really gonna come down to. That's intriguing because I feel like if if Deshaun gets the year, I think Cleveland and Seattle are really the only two options at this point. I think you oh. would agree with that. Right. And, and sorry, just to add on, okay, if Deshaun does get the full year, like if that's that's stamped, then Cleveland does make more sense. Right. Especially if Jacoby Brissett struggles, you know, the first couple weeks of the season, they sure. start off one and two, oh and three. Then it's like, oh shoot, Deshaun's gone the whole season. Jimmy Grapple will be a one-year rental and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right. Now let's go to the team that you know inside and out, which is the Seattle Seahawks. It's mm-hmm. this is the first time in a decade. There is no guy named Russell Wilson taking the snaps. He was traded to Denver in a almost like it feels like a rebuild move. Bobby Wagner is now gone as well, going to arch rivals in the Rams. So it's an open competition between Geno, Andrew Locke. DK Metcalf did get his money as like how I said on Go Talk that as almost it felt like a move to make sure that fans are still kind of still filling the seats, even though it is the 12th man in Seattle, pretty much has the Seahawks and the, uh, the Seattle Sounders, and every, they always show up and show out for their teams up in, in the state of Washington. The defense, defense, a major issue last year as they allowed the 31st most yards per game. Going to be really intriguing to see. The team is extremely young. They have a lot of young talent, but it's going to be hard to see how this rebuild unfolds. I was extremely surprised that Pete Carroll said, let's give it, let's still go. I thought he was not going to be want to be coaching in a rebuild. You'll probably have a little bit more information than I do. Talk to me. Talk to me about your Seahawks. You've been at camp also the last couple, these last couple of days. What have you seen? I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. You know, I haven't been very, I guess, let's just say pleased with what's, you know, going down there at quarterback. I haven't, I don't think I've seen the best of Geno Smith. I don't think I've seen the best of Drew Locke. I, I, I've seen these guys throw picks. I've seen these guys, I guess, relatively struggle. Um, and, and so it's going to be a tough year. You know, I, I just, if you ask me, I think Drew Locke should be the starter just because okay. I think he caters more to Seattle's personnel, especially at wide receiver. You know, you look, you talk about the strengths of a Drew Locke, it's his arm, you know, it's his right. athleticism. Right. And it's his ability to kind of extend a play, not like Russ, but he's athletic over there. You know, he had six rushing touchdowns his last season at Mizu. But like I talked about, he has a, a rocket of an arm. And, and what's the best part about um, the passing game, the deep passing game? Because when Pete Carroll and, and the Seattle Seahawks offense isn't running the football, they're throwing it deep. And, and so if you want to be able to instill or install that aspect of what you want offensively, Drew Lock got to be the guy, right? I mean, it's almost right. like by default. I understand Geno Smith right now has the, the edge, as Pete Carroll has referred to, but that's because, look, he's been in the system. He's backed up Russell Wilson these last three years, um, but I think he has more career picks than touchdowns. He's 30-plus years old. I, I just don't know what the ceiling is with him. You know what I mean? We got to see him last season for three games, three and a half, if you include that one against the Rams in which Russell Wilson got injured. There were some encouraging things but there are a lot more unencouraging things and I, I just don't expect I don't see how fans can expect a lot more 
just because we've seen him for over a decade now in the league. And so I just don't see him coming in and just exploding on the scene and putting up crazy numbers, leading this team to the playoffs. I don't see that happening. Now, I don't have the utmost of confidence in a Drew Locke, but like I said, I think he just caters more to the to the um, to what Seattle brings, uh, at least as far as talent and what they want to do offensively. Um, defensively, yeah, you, you talked about it, bro. Like, it was bad. And if I'm not mistaken, Seattle's defense actually spent the most time on the field last year, and it was 35 plus minutes. So they were spending that much time on the field and the offense was barely spending over 20. That's a problem. And that has been a problem these last couple of years. Seattle just always seems to be one of those teams that are drifting in the thirties, 31s, 32s, as far as, you know, time of possession. And that's going to have to change. And I think one of the things that has to change, if that has, if that's going to change is third down because third down Seattle has just been horrific. I think last season they converted, what was it, just 32%? And I don't know, there's a lot of issues. This is a lot of issues. Um, at running back, I, I like what Seattle has at running back. I mean, Rashad Penny, we saw what he did the last five weeks of the season last year. Ken Walker, arguably the best running back in all of college football. I think Seattle definitely has a strength there. Both guys just have to stay healthy because Chris Carson, like we all saw, was forced to medically retire. Um, right. I think offensively, it's definitely going to be a struggle because <laughs> if Seattle, they're going to be falling behind in games, it's going to be hard to run the football. So uh, a lot is going to come down to Drew Locke. The weaponry, obviously, is still there. DK, Ty Lockett, they've been doing their thing over in training camp. The offensive line, offensive line, I think, is going to be much improved. Obviously, it's been much maligned these last 10 years, you know, when Russell Wilson was there. But I think now more than ever, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of youth. There's a lot of versatility. And there's a lot to work with. You know, I, I like what I've been seeing from the guys. Um, and defensively, a lot of young pieces. You know, I think Seattle, they didn't draft the linebacker because they, they like what they're potentially going to get out of a Cody Barton. Jordan Brooks was second in the league in tackles in his first full season as a starter. You know what right. I mean? So I think there's a lot of potential there. I think Seattle has arguably the best safety duo in football. Now, Jamal, Jamal Adams is dealing with, I think, what was it, broken fingers? And so he's going to be playing with the cast on. The man is always hurt. He's always he's, fucking hurt. But that also speaks to his play style because just because right. he's so, you know, downhill, he's so aggressive, he's so forceful, he's so powerful, you know, there's a lot of contact, a lot of aggression when he plays. And, and so you're right, um, but I guess his play does come at a cost. Um, but hopefully that's not going to hinder him too much. Right. Um, and then the defensive line, I mean, oh, my goodness. I think there's a lot to work with there. Definitely a lot of pieces. You have Puna Ford. You had Shelby Harris in that trade. Uh, you drafted a Boye Mafe. You have a Daryl Taylor. You bring in an Achino Owosu. I think the pass rush is going to be solid. Um, and I think I think that's pretty much it. And you're making the move to a 3-4 as well. Right. And so there's going to be a lot more blitzing. There's going to be a lot more. There's going to be a lot less zone coverage. There's going to be more man coverage. I think the corner situation is definitely something to monitor. I mean, you bring in a Justin Coleman. He spent time in the system. You bring in an Artie Burns who coached or who played under Sean Desai, who's the new associate head coach last, what's his other role? Uh, Passing game coordinator, I think, or one of the assistant head coach, something like that. Um, but yeah, the corner situation is definitely one to monitor as is the quarterback situation. But, um, I think this team is, is going to be a lot better than people think, you know, I'm hearing people say that, oh, Seattle's going to be in contention for the number one overall pick. I want to go there, you know, and I, I think if the over, under, I have that being Atlanta and Chicago. Exactly. And I think Atlanta is going to finish with the worst record in football right now, at least right now as things stand. Um, and I think Seattle, they're just going to be feisty, bro. I, I think they're going to be a team that not everybody wants to play. I think they're going to pull off a couple of wins that a lot of people don't see. I mean, and I, I stay bringing this up, but a couple of years ago, remember when the Miami Dolphins won five and 11, but when they, they started the year off, zero and six, 
And that team was getting blown out left and right. They were losing games 40 to three, 50 to like seven. Um, and that team was talent deficient to its core, arguably the least talented team in football, you know, but sometimes it's not always the, the more talented team that wins. And you know this, you know, it's, it's any given Sunday. And I think Seattle, they're going to be fiery. They're going to be feisty. And Pete Carroll's still the coach. He's still one heck of a coach. And so, uh, sorry, that was a lot. But I think Seattle, my main takeaway. Let it out, man. Let it out. <laughs> this team is going to be a lot better than people realize. And if they can get anything out of that quarterback room, then who knows? Maybe a, a seventh seed, I, I think, at the very best, is the ceiling for this football team. Wow. Only, so only, only, if the, only if quarterback play is average. And obviously, right. the chances of that happening are, are slim. Slim. But I still, agree with you on the Drew Lock situation. He should be the quarterback, especially with Lockett and Metcalf, two guys that are very good deep ball wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And that's Drew Lock's bread and butter is his deep ball. Exactly. He does have accuracy deficiencies from 15 yards in. Right. But his deep ball is arguably one of the best. I wouldn't say one of the best in football, but it's up there in contention with some, because he's got one of the better arms talents in football. And with mm-hmm. Gino, many thought it was going to be his mind of reading defenses of why he would succeed. And it's been his mind and reading defenses of why he's always struggled. So mm-hmm. his strength that he had in college has become his deficiency in the NFL, which is something that is a n- never a good sign when you, ha- when you have a veteran quarterback competing for a job. But I think you have a lot to you have a there's plenty of upside. It's gonna be a lot of a learning curve. I have Seattle around five or six wins. Like you said, I think they're gonna win a couple of home games because of the twelfth man. The crowd matters. It really does. And mm-hmm. people think that the stadiums and and the fans really don't make an impact. If you watch some of these football games, they the home crowd matters depending on turnout and all that. So Oh, yeah. It's a rallying cry. And the team will show up. They play hard. I think that's what's going to be very reminiscent, like you said, of that Miami team. Mm-hmm. That they may, there may be games that get really, really bad. But then there's going to be some games that just their flat out effort will win the day. So mm-hmm. that being said, Steezy, I'm going to give you my records for each team, my win count, and then you give me yours. All right. I've got the Rams at 12 finishing as the second seed in the NFC because I, I do think they'll that they will arrest Matt Stafford a couple games this year mm-hmm. and he won't play the full 17. I have San Francisco finishing with 10. Then I have Arizona at eight. Then I have Seattle at five. Let me see what you got there with your win counts for the NFC West. Okay. For the Rams, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I see 12 wins. Um, so 12 and five. Right. I think for the Niners, who, man, I don't want to, this is tough. The Niners, the Niners. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say 11 and six. All right. I think, I think, yeah, I think they go 11 and six. I think the Arizona Cardinals, I think they're going nine and eight. Okay. And the Seattle Seahawks, I say seven and 10. Wow. There we go. I love it. That might be a little optimistic. It might be a little optimistic, but hey, it's it's August. (laughs) It's it's August. There's plenty of time to change that pick. So, (laughs) if I, yeah, right, right. Maybe a couple more training camps and I'll be like, you know what? Maybe. 
that takes maybe off six. a win. That takes off a win. Right, <laughs> maybe six and eleven. <laughs> uh, I'm just messing with you, Steezy, but thank you so much for coming on the show, my man. Always a pleasure to have you on. Plug yourself, man. Where what's going on next and where can they catch you? Go subscribe right. to this man. All right. He's got great content. Thank you so much, bro. Um, for me, I've been in vacation mode for way too long. I said this on the show on, on the Go Talk podcast with Marcus the other day. And like he talked about, please be sure to subscribe. We're trying to get our man to 150 subscribers on YouTube. So once again, Go Talk podcast with Marcus. If you're not already tuned in, that man be putting in work. Um, but for me, honestly, what's next, bro, on my channel? Um, I, I'm going to be coming out with a whole bunch of shorts. That's I feel like something I want to do every single day. That's not going to be my main source of content, obviously, on the channel, yeah. but um, the next rookie that I'm breaking down, because I have been breaking down a bunch of Seahawks rookies, is Kobe Bryant, and whether or not he's bringing the mama mentality to Seattle. That should be dropping, hopefully, come Monday on my YouTube channel, Ask DZA Smith. But before you even check that out, as I like to, to always do, you got to check out my man's first final whistle podcast on all platforms, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, uh, what is it? Apple podcast, whatever, any, every, in any platform, you should have checked out my man. He's been putting in work as well. Covers a multitude of variety of sports. He's very versatile. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. Uh, be sure to do that. And once you go do that, then you can find me at Steezy A. Smith. I don't just talk about the Seahawks. You know, I also cover the NBA when I can. I cover other teams in the NFL when I can. And uh, there's going to be a lot of good boxing fights coming up as well. So I, those are definitely some things that I want to cover. Um, but yeah, if that, any of that sounds interesting, then be sure to give us a follow and a subscribe. And thanks all for tuning in. Absolutely. I appreciate the love as always. Looking forward to have you on again soon. Yes, sir. But everyone, this was another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. You guys know where to find me on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, you name it. We're pretty much on it. Please hit that subscribe button. Please give a review. Please, please, please go subscribe and follow my man, Steezy A. Smith, with his content. But everyone, enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your, the rest of your days. Whenever you're going to be listening or watching this show, enjoy it. And God bless. This was another edition of the Final Whistle of Sports Podcast.